0: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Grow My Salon Business podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Whittaker, and it's great to be able to spend some time together. I think we'd all agree that the world that we live in is an exciting and sometimes challenging place to be. But even before COVID decided to unleash all manner of challenges for everyone on the planet, the last 10 years had seen massive changes in the hair and beauty industry from the huge inroads that social media has made to how we market ourselves and our businesses to the ever-changing business models and to the reinvention of the barbershop. My guest today is John Mosley, also known as popular nobody. John is a very talented barber, an educator, and an entrepreneur with a big heart and a big smile to match. And at six foot six and weighing in at 300 pounds, He cuts an imposing presence. In today's podcast, we will discuss the importance of building a brand, the attributes that you need to succeed, the lessons he's learned along the way, and the skills that you need as an educator, and lots more. So without further ado, welcome to the show, Mr. John Mosley.
1: What's going on, Anthony? Thank you for having me on, man. I appreciate this so much, and hello to everybody listening. I'm excited about this one. Good. Well, I was so
0: chuffed that uh, that you could make the time to be able to talk to us, John. So uh, a lot of our audience are not going to know who you are because they're not American. Um, so I want to do what I do with most guests, and that is get, get you to sort of introduce yourself. So, you know, give us just sort of two or three minute backstory. Who is John Mosley?
1: Uh, who is John Mosley, man? This is interesting. So uh, John Mosley is just a kid that grew up in uh Lakewood, California. It's right next to the city of Long Beach, California. And uh, my mother is a hairdresser. My father worked on the railroad. My sister, my whole family is in the beauty industry. And so I grew up playing sports. I didn't want to be a, a hairdresser or barber. I was like, I want to play basketball and football. And then when I, unfortunately, when I got to college, I just felt like I wanted to make money. And all my life, i seen my mother making money, doing hair. My sister was you know, living a great life uh, from the beauty industry. And so I lied and said I wanted to be a barber, but it was really for me to drop out of college and try to figure out something to do. And I lied, told my mom I wanted to be a barber. Two to three days later, I was enrolled in barber school. And from that point on, this is what you got.
0: (laughs) Okay. So, um, what a lot of audi- our audience who, who haven't seen you in the flesh maybe don't realize is that you're a bit of a man mountain. Uh, you know, you're <laughs> six foot six and, <laughs> yeah, you know, you're you're a big lad. And I know a lot of your background was in in sport, wasn't it? In sport as, yeah. Was that what you were doing at college? You were playing professional football or something, were you?
1: Yeah, in, in college. College well, football. Uh, yeah. In, what do they call it? University? In, in yeah. University? We, yeah. Yeah, in yeah, university, no, I was uh, playing college football, and but I grew up playing sports my whole life—from basketball, baseball, football. I tried playing piano, trumpet. I I, I was like a—I had my hands in a lot of different things, and you know, I lied and became a barber, and this is what actually stuck.
0: <laughs> okay, uh, uh, and w- was that you know the sport thing? Was that what you were thinking you were going to pursue professionally as a
1: career? You know what, Anthony? To be honest, I think majority of younger african-american kids yeah this is what you know this is who we look up to we look up to a lot of sports figures and you know some look up to a lot of rappers and so um yeah I, i honestly thought that i could make a nice living playing sports and when i got to college i realized that that wasn't gonna make me happy and so i got out of it
0: okay all right so i i knew already before you got on the phone i knew that you you were um uh, from a family of of hairdressers, that your mum was a hairdresser, your your sister was a hairdresser. How did all that impact on you? I mean, I, I know you just said it was a bit of a throwaway thing that you said, <laughs> "I'm going to be, I'm going to become a barber." But like, you know, how did that sort of impact on you growing up? Was it was it legitimately something you'd never thought of doing?
1: Yeah, I've, I, I had never. I like my mom used to my punishment would be she would take me to her salon on Saturdays and I would have to sweep, run errands and do all that. That was the punishment. So growing up, I hated being around the salon. I did not want to be a... Like hair was the furthest thing off of my list. And um, yeah, it, it grew into a passion. And I, even in barber school, I didn't show anybody my, my work. And then finally one day I showed my mother my work and she was like, you know what, if you actually... Put a little more energy into this, you might be good at it. And that's kind of the conversation that, you know, turned the corner for me. And I really started focusing and, and honing in on my skill set.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen your work uh, and it's damn fine work, you know, no matter, no matter, you know, how you cut it. Um, tell me about this you know, this title that you have, uh, or it's more than a title, it's who you are, it's your brand, uh, popular nobody. T-
1: tell me how that came about and and what's behind it. Um, the popular nobody was actually something that one of my boys, you know, he was like, man, your work is everywhere. You kind of like a popular nobody. And, and that's how it stuck. And for me, it's like, you could do whatever you want to do. Just be humble about it and, and always stay hungry. And so the tagline for the brand is always remain a popular nobody while staying humble and hungry. And so for me, it's not about how many clients are cut or, or what clients are cut. It's about me just doing my job and being thankful that I get an opportunity to do the job that I love to do. And so that's kind of where it came about. It's like, don't talk about it. Just show action, just work. And you don't have to, you don't have to be like this big, figure and publicize everything in order to have a successful career.
0: Yeah, exactly. I mean, if if someone said to me, uh, you know, how would you describe John Mosley? One word, I'd say humility.
1: Yeah.
0: You know, a a, a (laughs) six-foot-six, 300-pound mountain uh, of humility who's also a damn fine barber. Um, you, You always talk about that term when you say popular nobody, Within that sentence, you always use the word brand. Mm-hmm. And and I really like that because you're you you sort of have a if the right word is intuitive sense of marketing. You know, you 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 know, I don't know how much you've studied marketing, but you're very aware of the fact that you are a brand, that popular nobody is a brand. And you know, tell us about that, because it's more than just you know, John Mosley cuts here. There's there's product there's merchandises retail and stuff on your website and and i know that there's even a collective the john uh, popular nobody collective so so talk to us about you know what comes under that brand and what was your thinking
1: behind it so when i first started out um i, I was using i was going by the barber jm and i felt like when you look at that i'm telling you exactly what i am i'm a barber so it puts you kind of in a box so for me going with the popular nobody it was really just how i live everyday life and so um, i started working with certain celebrities and they would have certain conversations with me about how they did what they did to become successful and so i kind of started mirroring what they were doing and if you notice it it's kind of mirroring the music industry where you create mm-hmm. this you're the brand and then you create things that go along with your brand so whenever you approach you're a complete package And so for me, it was like making sure my branding was right, the logo was right, the colors was right. But then it was like, okay, let's put out some merchandise, which was shirts and hats, and let's start getting people to wear this brand that has just a cool name. And then I went and turned around and went back into the beauty industry and I said, okay, let me create merchandise for the beauty industry. So now I'm getting, I'm covering your common everyday person with hats and shirts. But then I also have the beauty market with, barbering cases, barbering combs and things like that. And so for me, it was always, how can you continue to expand and how can you scale? That's business. You want to scale, you want to scale. And so that's kind of what I looked at. And that was the conversations I was having. And so I just started adding things. So I added um, a popular nobody production company. So that's where I do my podcast and stuff like that. All funders falls under my production company so anything you see media wise is under production and then everything else you see is coming from the brand from education and all that and now we're doing online education soon that's going to be all under the production company so it's just making sure that everything is tied into and everything is aligned so that you can grow in a lot of different ways
0: okay so do you as a barber do you i want to get to your celebrity clients and stuff uh, uh later on but uh as a, as a barber, do you work behind the chair in a, in a shop, your own shop or somebody else's or is all this other stuff uh, take up all your time?
1: No, I still work behind the chair. I still work behind the chair because gr- coming up in this industry, uh, like I said, having the, the influence of my family that's in the industry, that been in the industry, that work with celebrities art. My mom was an educator too. So she traveled as well. Okay. So for me to have that blueprint, some of those conversations were very important. Where my mom would tell me, "No matter what you do, you always need a clientele. You always need to be based somewhere so that yeah. you can always go back to." And for me, that's how. Uh, that I think that's what still fuels me wanting to cut hair behind the chair when the opportunity presents itself. Is because I don't want to lose the touch of what got me to originally where I am. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, so your, your mum, the, the humility. And keep yourself grounded. Stuff that's very much come from your mum, like growing yeah, up. I'm, um, I'm, I'm yeah, guessing. my
1: mother and my father. Yeah, my whole In family it, actually. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. good. Oh, that's great. Okay, so before we got on the call, you you were talking a little bit about the popular nobody collective, and I said hold that thought because I really wanted to dig into it because I knew nothing about it. So, so so tell us tell us a little bit about what is the popular nobody collective and and how did that come about.
1: Um, the collective just started out with one person and then, you know, in order to create a movement, it's never the, it's never me that could create a movement. It's always the first person that believe in my vision or in anybody's vision. And so that person came along, they believed in my vision. We started it and then it just started growing momentum and getting other people involved. And so, um, that's how I came about, but it was really just me mentoring me looking at people and saying, hey, I can help you. Let me help you. Um, let me talk to you, let's see where you're trying to go. And and then it just, we all start becoming like one big family. And then once we started becoming one big family, I said, you know what? This is something that I've seen my mother do. So I, I think I could carry this part of her legacy on doing it this way as well. And so we just started bringing people onto the team and now it's like the collective, is just a, a group of artists that all believe in each other, that all support each other, that all want to see each other grow in business and life. And so we pour into each other, you know, somebody got a business venture going on. We all pour into that person and and push that person and help them because we know as a group, it's easier to push the person ahead so that they could turn back around and grab the rest of us. And that's kind of the model, even though, yeah, it's the popular nobody name in front of it. It's, it's a collective of just talented, great uh, smart and humble and hungry individuals.
0: Yeah. And they're all barbers, yeah?
1: No. No, no. Oh, they're not. Okay. No, so tell we us more. Yeah. We have barbers, we have some cosmetologists. We have natural hair artists. We have makeup artists. We have uh people that work for, you know, as far as um engineering the podcast. We have some videographers that come along with us. So oh, it's a wow. it's a it's a natural true collective of just, you know, creative a bunch of creatives yeah. that just want to help each other.
0: Yeah. So so business-wise, financially, they're all independent, but yes, it's like a community of people that help each other out on whatever projects.
1: Yes, but then also too, like if I get called and somebody say they would love to have us at a show or love that, then I'll turn around and take sure that make sure that they are financially taken care of as well. Yeah.
0: Okay. Cool. What? Just because of your. Your experience—you've been around a while. You've been through lots of different situations. You can offer
1: young people the benefit of that wisdom as they become part of the collective. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So, like, if and and also a uh, financial payment. You know, I, I've been in somebody I had to work for free for so long. I know sometimes, in, in in this day and age, people only. You know, when I was coming up, it was more or less like you take opportunities and and growth with those opportunities. Are you know you you sometimes don't work for money you work for what can happen in the long term and I think sure. right now in our industry sometimes so many people put money first and not relationships first yeah. that you got to make sure that you take care of people and build those relationships too so um financially I try to make sure I can you know pay or if I can't financially cover the big bill for everybody I'll try to put a company in front of us that will help pay those bills okay. first.
0: Cool. Okay. All right. Now, I I know you have quite a uh, a clientele in this sort of celebrity arena. Um, you know, TV shows. You know, music, etc. Um, talk talk to us about that and how important that is, and how you even got into that. You know, what was what was your journey into that? I'm I'm sort of imagining it's something to do with your background in sport probably helped a little bit.
1: Actually, it didn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So. Um... The way I ended up with celebrity clients was the first first scenario that happened. I was working in a barbershop and uh, a professional skateboarder came yeah. into our, he, was, he was a client of somebody else's. The other barber didn't really like respect his time and stuff like that. So he sat in my chair. And when he sat in my chair, he didn't leave my chair. Okay. And so he stayed with me. So that was yeah. the first celebrity. Then the second opportunity was um, I got a phone call from a lady named Yolanda Johnson and she called me and you know she was looking for somebody else but had my name and it was for a TV show called Celebrity Fit Club. And okay. so I worked on Celebrity Fit Club for six seasons and then it just started tailwinding into that where once you get on set and people start hearing you, you know how to have set etiquette, you know how to take care of the, the trailer and stuff like that then you get put on that, that list of like, this is somebody that we would love to keep working with. And it started telling that way. And then just in the barbershop, you know, you never know who you cut. So if you treat everybody like they're the CEO of a company, you, you never know what you might end up with. And so I started cutting Long Beach State's basketball team, Long Beach State's baseball team. So then you got to think, somebody on those teams will eventually go pro. So then I, mm-hmm. that's how I got in the Major League Baseball. One of the players from Long Beach State, He brought me along for the journey when he went pro in baseball and got me into the clubhouse. And then from that, it spun into the NFL with the NFLPA. Then I worked with some NBA players. And then I just started cutting like regular clients, ended up working in situations in the music industry, and which led me to Kendrick Lamar and a lot of other uh, celebrities in the music industry.
0: Okay. Yeah, I I saw a bit of a list of different people that you've done and it was (laughs) <laughs> you know, pretty impressive, you know. Idris Elba. I mean, you know Kendrick Lamar, as you just said. Eminem.
1: Um, I was on tour. I didn't. I didn't cut Eminem, so everybody like typically just throws that Eminem name out there. But I was on tour, and I was on tour with his side of the camp, so I did yeah. like all of his guys. Uh, never touched him, but it was everybody from Royster 5'9 Five to some of the D Twelve guys and all of that.
0: Cool. Okay. All right. What, what fulfills you most? As a barber, because you you know you cover lots of different areas. We haven't talked about education yet. I know you do a lot in the education arena uh, with Paul Mitchell, um, and uh, you know you've got these celebrities. Plus, you've got your own work, you know, behind the chair and your own studio. Uh, what what what's the most fulfilling part of uh, your job for you as a barber?
1: Um, the most fulfilling part, from my perspective, one is when I'm able to make somebody feel good about themselves, when they come in and sit in a chair and they having a horrible day and just having that conversation with them to help them change their perspective. One thing we always hear people say or or see posted is that a barber or a hairdresser can change your life. And we can't, we don't have that power to change anybody's life. But what we do have is the power to change their perspective. And so for me, it's like changing their perspective on situations. That's one thing for me that I, 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 love is being able to talk to people that way and then the second side of it is like you said the education I love being able to see someone grow from my leadership being able to help them understand you know we we're in an age where we see a lot of videos on Instagram we see a lot of videos on YouTube it's a lot of editing going on it's a lot of falsifying going on Mm -hmm. and so just being able to know the why behind what we do and being able to put that into somebody else so that they understand it's it's more than just picking up a clipper or a pair of scissors. It's You got to know why you're pulling this hair somewhere. It has a reaction. So if you do it over here, what's what what happens when it moves back? And so just being able to put that knowledge into the next generation, I think for me has always been, you know, I've been educating for so long, so I got to love giving. You know, you an uh, educator is a giver. And so for me, it's, it's just the process of giving. I think is the biggest overall thing.
0: Yeah, well, I've seen you do it, and I think you 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 know you give a lot of good knowledge and <laughs> and with that humility that goes with it, which I think is is why you've been so uh, successful. Um, w- with the whole barbering thing, it, it's sort of uh, I don't know if there was a point in time where it kicked off. Or where where it came back, I'm I'm going to put a stake in the sand and say it's about 2010 uh, when the whole sort of barbering thing really took on a different level of credibility and barbering became cool again, gotcha. um, and I think that's here to stay. And I love the culture of. Of barbering and the barber shop and and what it's all about now. I mean, I'm looking at. I mean, our audience are listening. I'm looking at you. I mean, you're like the coolest looking guy in town. You know, <laughs> uh, talk to us about the the culture of of barbering and uh, you know and and what that means to you and how important it is and how it's evolving.
1: I think for so long barbering was looked at as like the degenerate part of our industry. It was looked like. Uh, they're just, you know, the ex-cons. They were the, you know, people that couldn't make it. So they had to go to barber. And now what you're starting to see is barbers are actually smart individuals. Barbers are actually, they have hustle mentalities. And some of us has been able to transfer that hustle mentality over to career, to brands and stuff like that. And so I think what we're seeing is a bunch of people who always felt like the underdog now gets to, they, they get to put their work all over the world and people are starting to see barbering in a different light that we're really artists as well. And what we do as barbering, working with so much short length and creating these images and being able to create shape and all of that is just as honorable as what we've been seeing in the hairdresser world forever.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, I absolutely love going into a cool barbershop. I mean, there's been lots of great movies made over the years usually about black barbershops for some reason (laughs) but they have a great energy about them don't they i mean they're just it's like the place you want to hang out i just want to go and sit in there and hang out i know eddie murphy's not in there all the time
1: you know is is really it's what it is you know going to that culture comment you know yeah the culture inside of a a black barbershop or african-american barbershop whatever politically correct people want to say it but going into a black barbershop and that is the community right there. You're going to get the, that's the cornerstone of the community. Like most people used to go to the libraries. Well, where, where everybody go to the barbershop. You get great conversations there in the barbershop. You get uh, every walk, race, everything in the barbershop. So it's like you get the young kids and you get to see young talent from junior high school to high schools and going off to university. So it's like you create a family bond inside of that barbershop inside of the community. So everybody kind of know each other. You get the music, you get the hustle man coming in, you get all of these different vibes, but it makes one great place. And I think that's why you see that because so many people are, before a lot of people was afraid to walk into black barbershops, but they were so curious about what went on in them because they do see the movies. They do see like the conversations and stuff like that. And it's like, just go into one. Just go into one, hang out in one, Mm. and it'll change your perspective on how black barbering is done.
0: Mm. I mean, I've actually never seen you cut black hair. So I'm asking (laughs) what what percentage of your work, like (laughs) – you know, are you because often that's a stereotype, isn't it? So, oh, we need someone who can do black hair. Oh, let's get John Mosley. But and I haven't seen you do a lot of work, but the work I've seen has never been on black guys. Um, so, so and it's so it's good that you're not stereotyped that way because that is a that's a problem, isn't it? When people do stereotype someone, so so
1: talk to us about that. You know, one of the one of the biggest things I used to hear Grant. So early in my career, I was a hundred percent all Afro hair, a hundred percent. Yeah. And so um, so for the the Americans that don't know what I mean by Afro hair, we have a different uh, audience listening. So I know in the European culture, they call it Afro hair. But, you know, working on textured hair, we you know, that was my whole career. That was Mm -hmm. the product, you know, that was the environment I was in. So that's what I cut a lot of. And then you started through my through my rise in the industry, people would say, oh, well, he's very good at cutting this type of hair, but he can't cut that type of hair. And then it was like, well, like, okay, I don't look at the next person and judge them because they're Caucasian and say, oh, they don't know how to cut black hair and nor does the industry. The industry Mm -hmm. don't do that either. The industry just looks at them and say, oh, they're a great barber, but they only know how to do one type of hair. But they're Mm -hmm. considered great. And I knew for me coming up in the industry, in order for me to be deemed as a great hairdresser or a great barber, I had to be well-rounded all the way across the board And I didn't start getting that notoriety until I started cutting straight hair. But hair is hair. It's a fabric. And I'm going to cut any fabric that sit in my chair. And, Mm -hmm. you know, for me, I just didn't want anyone to ever be able to say, well, he can't do this. So he's not going to be great. Mm -hmm. I, I heard it long enough. And so I kind of like took that mentality on and said, I'm going to stop all the naysayers. I'm going to stop all the doubters now. And I'm going to show the world that I could cut anything that sit in my chair when it sits in my chair. And I'm going to execute it at the highest level.
0: Talk about your role as an educator. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I mentioned that you uh, work for John Paul Mitchell Systems. I didn't mention that you're an artistic director. Uh, so, so tell us about your role and what that entails.
1: So. I started out as just a learning leader in the John Paul Mitchell system school world. You know, yeah. I started out teaching in the schools and then, um, it, it grew from there, uh, helped create their men's cutting system and DVDs and stuff like that. And, you know, uh, switched over to brand ambassador. And now from a brand ambassador standpoint, where I was really just the face of the product and really working as an artist, now I'm moving into an artistic director role. Now I'm behind the scenes. Now behind the scenes and putting my creative spin on, you know, products and creating, you know, what shoot should look like and what kind of feel do we, and vibe do we want to go into for barbering and stuff like that. So it's a significant change that takes a for for people who haven't had a significant significant change in like their career,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you wouldn't really understand this yet. But when you do, you'll understand exactly what I'm talking about. It it takes a mental toll on you for a second. Because you went from being creative with your hands. Now you're being creative with your thought process more than you are with your hands. Mm -hmm. And so for me, that was like, it's a, it's a changing, like I worked so hard to become successful. Now I'm working so hard to become successful in a whole nother aspect and it's that—that's in the corporate world, and being able to build and, and sustain things and help companies grow. And so for me, that's kind of like where where it is for me. It's like not being able to touch hair and be that artist as much as I was and what I was so used to, but now helping lead another group of artists and build them up as artists and help them grow as artists uh, in the John Paul Mitchell system.
0: Okay, so so what what are some of the lessons that you've the, you've learned along the way? As part of that transition from, you know, behind a chair in a shop with a clientele, to standing on stage, to being an educator, to to traveling, what what are some of the lessons that you would, you know, pass on to to uh, John Mosley twenty years ago?
1: Uh, eat healthier. <laughs> <laughs> eat healthier. Yeah. Um, to be honest, it would definitely like take care of your body. Um, that's one thing I started really taking care of when I started ramping up more flights and doing more classes and less sleep and stuff like that. I had to change my eating habits. And because it was, you know, you eat junk food all the time, you end up being junk. So I had to change up those eating habits, more massages, more chiropractor visits, uh, stuff like that. But then also learn platform artistry. Mm-hmm. I think so many people nowadays, they just jump up and say they're an educator because a company gives them a title as an educator, yeah. but they don't do the things that it takes to become an educator. Like yeah. in the yeah. music world, when people say they're an MC, that means they are master of ceremony, they move the crowd. Like that's what MC stands for. So when you're an educator, there are certain things that you have to know as an educator how to stand how to hold yourself in a bad body position, but still execute, how to work and still be able to educate at the same time, hands moving, mouth moving. You can't stop one or the other. Um, How to work a stage, how to build out a show, how to have those wild transformation moments, how to really have great verbiage, understanding your verbiage, understanding eye contact from a stage point. What does the audience see that you don't see, but you, you know, so all of those things It's something that I had to learn and I learned them in a lot of different ways. And so for me, I think I wish that, you know, more educators would have that conversation with themselves, you know, before they call themselves an educator. It's not about this cutting hair. It's about the whole, you got to be able to do everything.
0: Yeah. So so I couldn't agree more with you than that. I think that's a fantastic answer. Uh, what, What was the thing that challenged you the most? Making the transition. What was the thing that you had to learn the most that was like, wow, this is this is going back to school time. I really need to learn how to do this. Was it was it talking and cutting at the same time? Was it I, I don't know. You, you tell me. What was it?
1: No, quite naturally in a barbershop, you learn how to cut and talk at the same time. <laughs> yeah, it, that, yeah. that just brings the yeah. energy. But I think it was more or less uh, how to break it down in simplest form. Because when you're in routine in a barbershop, you're just cutting hair, you're working. And it's more of a speed thing where yeah. on stage, what I could do in 15 minutes in a barbershop, I have to learn how to expand 15 minutes and turn it into an hour and 30 minutes, two yeah. hours. And so that was the transition. And that's where, um, where you see me educating. And then now I could make a regular haircut take a long time because I dove into why am I doing this? Like education is about the why. It has nothing to do with the end result. It has everything to do with the why. And so for me, I just trained myself to teach on why I'm doing this. Why am I using this tool? Why am I using this brush? Why am I standing in this body position? Why am I using this product? What is my end result going to be if I do? So I just dumbed everything down. And I think the one thing that has helped me out the most is understanding as a barber educator, I speak more to a cosmetologist hairdresser world. Mm-hmm. So I had to find out what are the common words that hairdressers use that barbers don't use, but we get the same end result. And so I learned the language. I, I basically took the two worlds and said, OK, if I'm a barber and a short men's haircut is a graduation in the cosmo world, I have to show them with my finger what I'm doing to show graduation but then explain it in the shorter world. And so I, that's what I really dove into is just the verbiage and, and diving into how can I make a million cosmetologists or a million hairdressers walk out of a room and say, wow, I learned so much from that barber and he made it simple.
0: Mm. Okay. Uh, let's change direction a little bit and talk about social media. Because um, I know that, you know, that's an important part of your business. Uh, yes. How How has... Social media impacted on you and your business because you. When did you start in barbering? Twenty odd years ago. I uh, started in two uh, two thousand one, maybe. Okay, so you know, social media really wasn't well. It wasn't a thing uh, then. So you know, big time, it's <laughs> oh. a thing now. Um, so so talk to us about that. How's that impacted on barbering in general, and and the elevation of the industry and how you market your products and
1: services and how you build your brand? Um, (laughs) Social media, popular nobody brand started off as an Instagram name. Okay. And then it just, I I, I looked at it and said, let's keep going. Let's keep pushing. Let's keep scaling. And eventually I want to scale out of the beauty industry. I want to be able to go into, I got plans that, that are set up now for outside of the beauty industry, but still under the popular nobody brand. Yeah. And um, so social media played a key role because it it finally got people to recognize that I was m- more talented than what the neighborhood saw from me. The yeah. world got to see the opportunity. The world got to see me show I could do everything. I could create. I could cut. I could, you know, have fun. And so I think that's how social media has helped me. But I also treat social media just like a job. I work it like a job. I work certain hours and I'm off of it. I don't let it consume my my mental space. I don't let it consume my day. I, I post and I walk away, you know, and uh, I, I still talk to everybody on my social media when I post something. And they because that's engagement, that's real life interaction. That's if if somebody take the moment to message me on social media, I try to get back to them because they took their time. And I want to I want to be a value of their time, too. So I try to give back that way, you know, when I speak to people um, and then and that's really it. You know, I, I post what I want people to understand and see. I don't, I give out, I give out what I feel, you know, I think some people give out only the art and only haircutting videos are po- photos of haircuts. I give you inspiration. I give you motivation. I give you things as when you wake up, everybody's not having great days. So when you wake up, I want you to be able to go to my Instagram and read something and say, I needed to hear that today. I feel Mm -hmm. great. Thank you. You know, I needed to hear this. To me, that's once again, that's that giving heart. That's that humility. That's letting people know we all go through tough times. We all go through things, but somebody else is going through those things too. And maybe they need to hear this word. And Mm -hmm. so I I just put it out. You know, I, I used to post nothing but haircuts and stuff like that. And, you know, and then I said, that's not what the world needs. The world needs somebody to talk to them and spread a little light and so if i could be that guy that's what i'm going to be yeah so were you like that
0: before covid because obviously what you just finished off saying then i loved uh and and are so right about that especially now in this world of covid people need a bit of love and they need looking after and you know some inspiration and stuff um were you were you always like that i'm suspecting you were
1: yeah i was al- i was always that way um i used to Like people call me a motivational speaker, but I haven't had that title yet, Uh, you know, actually official. But people call me that because when I go into a lot of the school systems, I used to speak at high schools. I used to speak at juvenile detention centers. I used to, you know, all of that. So I would go in and just spread the, the, the message of like, yo, man, life is hard, but you can make it easy or you can make it hard. And it's the same thing in our beauty profession. The beauty industry can be easy or it can be hard depending on which way you want to take it. And so I've always been that. I've always been that way. I used to sit outside of, of my house and just talk to, you know, my friends till one, two, three in the morning, just standing outside, just having conversations and talking life. And I, I'd rather have those type of conversations all day long than here because mm-hmm. I feel like those are more impactful.
0: You've got a podcast as well, the Apex podcast. Yes, sir.
1: Uh, t- tell us about that. It's a It's a platform that I just like, like I said, Putting life out there, talking to people, and I know people from all walks of life, not just the beauty industry. So, on the Apex Podcast, I have talked to baseball players, professional baseball players. I have talked to uh, fashion designers that make high-end fashion at an affordable cost for most people. Um, You know, beauty industry professionals, but it's really just a platform where if I if I talk to you, I feel like you're cool. I want to talk to you and let the world hear your story because we all have a story to tell and if i got a platform and i got the and i got the ear of the listeners i'm gonna put it on my platform and let the world hear how cool this person is and let's go support their business and let's help them grow yeah yeah where where did the name come from apex the apex so it's a play on my two worlds my personal world and also my professional world and so for the professional world, as a barber, we all know through education, the apex is what we call the highest point of the head. And so for me, the conversation is typically off the top of the head. And so that's why I call it the apex. And then for me, my, my I used to ask a lot of people, and I'm surprised I didn't ask you, Anthony, but I normally say, you know, looking at your characteristic, what animal best fit you as a person? And so for me, if I asked somebody that I always knew they were going to ask me the same question. So I started mm-hmm. like doing the research. And to me, it's, I love discovery channel. I love nature. And so a silverback gorilla best describes me. And when you look yeah. at that, it was like a silverback gorilla, always like you see me I'm a big guy. So automatically people are intimidated by my presence because I'm a big guy. Uh, but I, I got the warmest smile, warmest hug, but I just look intimidating. And that's kind of like a silverback gorilla. They always, when you look at it, they show the aggressive videos, but they never showed the video that starts where the gorilla is being provoked. Or they never show. So for me, it was like the gorilla, no other animal goes after a gorilla. Mm-hmm. It's only humans that attack gorillas. And so that's what makes them an apex predator. They're only hunted by men. And so for me, that is what it is. I, I take care of my family. I, I I, you know, protect them. And for me, that I'm a silverback gorilla. Like I actually have a gorilla hanging up on my wall right here. Ah, oh, yeah, you do too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's a big old silverback. Yeah. Yeah, but that's that's yeah. kind of where it's from. It's it's it apex covers my personal life and also my my professional life.
0: Yeah, and I think that's the perfect match for you. Yeah. Like as soon as you say it, it's like, "Yeah, of course you are. What else could you be? You know <laughs> you're a big old silverback gorilla. okay. Um, you know, I, I really like your soul and your your spirit. I, I think' it's, uh I think it's great, and I think it has a, a, a good influence on a lot of people. Um, talk to us about what, what, what are the attributes that you need to have if you want to succeed in this industry? What are the character traits? I mean, humility. Let's just tick that box uh, because we've touched on that already. You know uh, uh, about popular nobody humility. But what what are some of the other character traits? You know that you have, or, or that you know you aspire to have, or that you see in other people who succeed. What is it that that makes them successful?
1: That's a great question, and it kind of goes back to the last question about the Apex Podcast. So we yeah. we we ran a, a collective. Well, we ran a a limited run of shirts and stuff like that with the gorilla on it. Mm -hmm. And the reason why we did is because one of one of the artists on the collective, his name is uh, Andre. And so but we call him Chief, Chief the Barber. And so we were talking one day. He was like, "Bro, we got to give the gorilla a name. Like it just can't be like a silverback gorilla with no name. So we were kicking names back and forth. And we came up with Atlas. Yeah, and I was like Atlas, and he, and so I said, okay, I like Atlas the ape, I like it. Okay, so now let's find something that means Atlas. And so what we came up with was appreciation, tenacity, love. Uh, what was it? Appreciation, tenacity, love. It was. It was one word and sacrifice, because that's what you got to have. You gotta have
0: tenacity, love. There's someone else that there's an A you've forgotten and yeah, sacrifice a, I, I really no, like that.
1: Appreciation, tenacity, love. I want to say adaptability, but it's it's not That'll adaptability. But a, a adaptability sacrifice. is good.
0: until you come up with a better one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I like that's, that. That's
1: really what it, that's really what it takes because it's like that's that's what it is: appreciation, sacrifice, tenacity, love. I'm gonna find the other one, Anthony. I gotta remember yeah. it. Okay, it's, it's been good. a while got since it. I had. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No, I I like that. I think that's I think that's great. Um,
1: uh, I I got it for you. Okay. It's attitude, tenacity, love, ah. appreciation, sacrifice.
0: Attitude. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So you yeah, gotta have
1: okay. the right attitude. You gotta have the tenacity to keep going even when people tell you you can't. You gotta have the love for not just what you're going after but the love for yourself and the love for others you got to appreciate everything you get and you got to appreciate those moments but then also the last one I think people want a lot of life but they don't want to sacrifice and it takes a lot of sacrifice to be able to be great yeah and it takes a lot of sacrifice to get everything out of life that you say you want so there it is attitude tenacity love appreciation and sacrifice
0: okay Love it. I know that you got married, uh, you were very young when you had a child. Uh, you yeah. were 22, yes, sir. Um, which is young. Uh, and, and so now I suppose I'm looping back into exactly what you've just said. Um, how did that, that must have made you grow up pretty quick. You know, take I mean, you're 22 and you become a dad. I mean, I was I was 30 before I became a dad or 31 even. No, I was 30. Uh, and when I was 22, I couldn't have handled that. Um, but you obviously handled it, and you—you know—made you grow up pretty quickly. Just, just talk about how uh, it's Jessica, your wife, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So, 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 how did that? How did that make you grow up? You know, being a 22-year-old and having a baby to to, to look after.
1: Um, to, to be honest, um, so Jessica is my my current wife. Yeah. Um, prior to, I was married to someone else, and oh, that person. Okay. Yeah, that person had already had two children before. So when we were dating, they had two children, and uh, then we ended up having a kid together. And so, at twenty-one years old, twenty-two years old, I'm taking on. I have three kids now. When Ooh. I don't have any, but honestly, I I feel like that that cut me from having that that time in life where it's just about fun where you might spend 10 years just partying and having fun and doing all of that, it cut that completely down because I had to, I had a lot of responsibility. I had yeah. a lot of responsibility and un- unfortunately things didn't work out and it's just the way life is. And, yeah. but we actually had two children together. And now me and my beautiful wife, Jessica, we're, we're, we're rocking.
0: Cool. Okay. All right. So uh, sort of linked into that. Uh, these are sort of the deep and meaningful things because I know that you have, you just have a wonderful take on life, and I, and and I think it's because you've lived life. You know, you've lived a life, and you've obviously had a good, you know, upbringing, good family, etc. Around you. Um, what I wanted to ask you about was what what is the most important
1: bit of advice that you were given as you've as you've grown up? Um, it's it's two things. One just happened. I, I found recently watching podcasts, and then hmm. this first one was early on in life um growing up I used to say I know I know I know and somebody told me something I'd be like I know and one day I think out of frustration my my older sister Lily I said something to her and she said something back to me and I was like yeah I know and she grabbed me and she was like if you knew we wouldn't be having this conversation right now and I kind of like it I just sat back and I was like well damn you're right like yeah I don't know but I know it was just that easy scapegoat to get out of the situation. yeah. And so um, that was from my sister, Lily, and I, I cherish that deeply because it, it helped me open my eyes up to being okay to say you don't know something. If yeah. you don't know, it's okay. And then the second one was just recently, I was watching a podcast and uh, he said, most people will explain and say that the most important four-letter word is L-O-V-E. He said, yeah. but it's not really the four-letter word is H-E-L-P. Help.
0: It's okay
1: to ask for help. It's okay to help others. It's okay. So, for me, putting that with what my sister taught me and putting that as an adult with what I watched, it's like more kids need to hear stop saying I know and realize what you don't know, but it's okay to ask for help. And I think a lot of mental health comes from people not wanting help.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Uh, I can't wait to listen to this podcast myself. There's so many <laughs> little so many little gems in there, man. I'm loving it. Okay. What,
1: what what would you say your biggest strength was? Uh from from others, me from what I'm hearing from others, my biggest strength is pulling the best out of people. Pulling making the them making themselves see um how great they actually are. I yeah. think. People, people, a lot of people tell me that, like, man, you you actually made me go after it. Like I felt like just talking to you, I could go achieve anything. So I think for others, it's that that I could pull the best out of them. And me personally, I feel it's my heart. I actually give a damn. I care.
0: Yeah, yeah, you do.
1: You do. I I, I care. And so I think for me that's what it is. And I care. And when you really think about what I just said, me giving a damn and caring actually conversating with people help bring the best out of them because it's like, I care. I want to see you succeed. And this is how you're going to do it. Yeah. Yeah. What What, what is it that drives you? Uh, what drives me is to see that my mom been in the beauty industry for over 40 plus years. And, um, and I want to- still it. It? She's, she's still, still in it? She's still in it to this day. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, so I want to be able to do that too, but I want to be able to do it differently. I don't want to stand behind a chair in 40 something years. I want to be able to say I've built a brand in the beauty that started out in the beauty industry that has scaled more. I want to be able to give my kids something and show them the way and how to give them uh, a solid foundation. And um, I think that's what drives me. It, it, yeah. That's That's kind of like my family history and my family future is what drives me daily.
0: Yeah. Okay. So how do, you, how do you do that? How do you reinvent yourself? How do you constantly stay relevant? What's, what's, the, what's the key to, you know, like the John Mosley I'm looking at today is not the John Mosley I was looking at five years ago would not be the John Mosley I'm looking at in five years time. What is the, what is the key to, you know, um, to reinventing yourself?
1: Uh, I, I live by a model called GPA. and most of the time when when you hear of GPA you think of great point average. What's okay. your GPA? You know oh, I got a 4.0 and some people put a lot of significance into that but my GPA is goal plan action. Okay. I set the goals, I plan them and I take action. So as I set these goals as long as I hit my goals, then I always got to reset and redo new goals and keep pushing. So I think just that, being able to reinvent my will that way and keep going. But then also, if you look at major companies, Starbucks, McDonald's, Target, uh, all major brands, they always are reinventing themselves every two to three years. They might tweak their logo a little bit. They'll come out with something special and it's only there for a little... So I really, I really mirror big brands Mm. and I'm doing it as a small brand. So I constantly will drop. That's why you seen the gorilla come out. It was just something that, Oh, okay. Now I'm letting you into my personal world without you even knowing I'm actually telling you, this is who I am. And um, so that's how just, just staying fresh, staying new, staying creative with ideas. And also more importantly though, putting the right people around you Mm -hmm. as a team Mm -hmm. that is going to keep you keep you pushing and keep you going and keep you fresh and then taking opportunities like this you know you reached out to me and I didn't question it when you reached out to me and asked me I want to be a part of your podcast I said yeah let's do it and mm-hmm. let's you know like that helps you stay relevant most people think when you hit a certain level oh no I'm too good for that I'm not too good for nothing mm-hmm. like nothing at all I, I still want to get down with the barbershop level but I also want to sit at the table with the CEOs and so mm-hmm. And everything in between of that, and so I think that's what keeps me so relevant is that I'm willing to play on all levels, and I'm gonna do my best when I show up on any level.
0: Yeah, and and when you do, you know, evolve and try new things, what happens if, or, or, or how do you handle it if they don't work out? So, so how do you how do you handle adversity when things
1: don't work out the way you originally envisaged? I never lose sight of the goal, even though. This didn't work. The goal is still sitting there. So maybe this didn't work because it might not have been the right time. So let's Mm -hmm. take this idea and let's scoot it over and Mm -hmm. let's put something else in place. But we might need to come back to that idea. But while we're working on it, let's tweak this idea and figure out what worked from it and what didn't work. Let's take what didn't work out and let's tweak those things and then drop it back in line. And so for me, it's like a lot of stuff don't work. A million things will like you could try so many things. Mm-hmm. Out of a thousand things you try, two might work. But it was the the other nine hundred and ninety-eight things that you tweaked to get those two. Yeah. And you just gotta always have that perspective. Just keep mm-hmm. throwing it out there, keep throwing it out there, putting it out there, putting it out there. At some point it will catch on. Like overnight mm-hmm. success is what they call 10 years. You know, you underground years. 10 years before you have overnight success. But I think what now also to what we're seeing, people want to create a fad, people want to create a trend, but nobody want to create a movement. A fad is, you know, here today, gone tomorrow. A trend is seasons, three months, six months, whatever. But a movement is 20 years plus. I've been in this industry 20 years plus. I want to create a movement, not a fad, not a trend. I don't want to go anywhere. I want this legacy to live forever. And I want I want people to understand that John Mosley, as the popular nobody brand under the popular nobody brand has created something for this industry that will continue to grow and change forever.
0: Cool. Okay. All right. Last thing I want to ask you then is cause that's just a perfect place to wrap up what you've just said. Uh, but, but what advice do you give to young, young men, young women uh, who want to be a barber? What do you say to them?
1: Learn as much as you can. But make sure your, your uh, resources of where you're getting your knowledge from is creditable. Make mm-hmm. sure that they're going to give you the good information and not teach you the bad habits that could come along with it. But also more importantly, everybody needs a mentor. You look at the richest, wealthiest people in the world. They all have mentors. And sometimes they had to pay for those mentors because that mentor has given, they have gone through so much that, that they paid so much for that information. So don't be afraid to reach out to a mentor and they tell you, yeah, I would love to be a mentor, but it comes with a cost. Mm. Sacrifice. That word sacrifice is if you want to succeed, you're going to sacrifice that Starbucks or you're going to sacrifice that, uh, you know, the, those new pair of shoes just so that you can be in the presence and have those conversations. Because one thing for me, I, I never charge for my mentorship. And then I started charging because what I was noticing was that people were coming to me getting mentored and then running off with it and then giving it to other people as if it was theirs. That's great and all. But okay, if you're going to do that, I'm going to charge you because my time was that important because I I gave to you freely. But now you're going somewhere else and charging people for it. So I'm going to charge you because I need to know if you're serious or not. So make sure you grab your great mentor. Make sure that that mentor that you chose will, you you will listen to them and you will take their advice, but you will also take their criticism and you just got to know they're coming from a great place and they just want to see the greatness in you that you express to them that you want it to be.
0: Wow, lots of nuggets in this uh, this interview. So, uh, John, we, we, we have to wrap up. But uh, whereabouts can people connect with you on Instagram or any other social media channels? Where, where do you hang out?
1: So I'm on that new app Clubhouse. I'm also Instagram at popular underscore nobody. I'm also on Facebook as, you know, John, mostly J-O-H-N, M-O-S-L-E-Y. I'm actually about to start a Facebook group called the Popular Nobody Neighborhood. Um, I feel like the word community has been so used in our industry, so I learned more in the neighborhood okay. than I did in the community. So, cool. so we're gonna we're gonna have that coming up every Thursday night. I do a free Zoom call that starts at 7 p.m. Central Time, and it's okay. just a bunch of people that come together. We started it when COVID hit, and we do this just so that people can talk to each other and have fun. Okay. And and build so, so, relationships with people around the world. So that's the so, so, so how do people how do people get into that? So every every Thursday I post it mm-hmm. in my on my Instagram. I post the link that says uh the Zoom room swipe up or it's in my bio on Thursday, typically around five o'clock. And it's open to the public. And it's just a bunch of people from all over the world, different states that build relationships and help each other business. And we talk uh for an hour. Uh, open conversation and people bounce ideas and just, you know, building a a, a, a neighborhood of our own through the social yeah. media world.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. And it's interesting that you mentioned Clubhouse. You know, it's like these, it's this new social media platform. All of a sudden I hear people talking about it all the time. It, so it seems to have come from nowhere and it's, it's uh, you know, probably going to be the next big thing so anyway okay well i will put uh those links on our website on uh, the show notes uh for john Mosley's podcast uh if you're listening to this podcast with john Mosley and if you've enjoyed it then please do me a favor take a screenshot on your phone share it to instagram stories and i tell you what i would absolutely love is if you would give us a rating and review and i certainly um you know would love to hear what you thought of john's Uh, wisdom because I've loved every minute of it. Uh, So to wrap up, John Mosley, thank you for being on this week's edition of the Grow My Salon Business Podcast. It's been fantastic to have you here. Any final words for our audience?
1: Uh, I just want to thank all the listeners for taking the time to listen to this amazing podcast. And I appreciate you, Anthony, for reaching out to me so that we can make this happen. And you know, get the brand out there to a whole new world and get myself out there to a whole new world and let people see the perspective that I have on life in the beauty industry and just human beings. And last but not least, I would love for all your listeners to go to my website, the www.thepopularnobody.com. That's T-H-E-P-O-P-U-L-A-R-N-O-B-O-D-Y.com and sign up and support. You know, we're going to be doing a lot of amazing education on there, mentorship programs. Uh, It's going to be a lot. It's a lot. So please sign up for the website, get the emails going so that you can stay on and go shop, go buy some merch and support. Cool. Fantastic.
0: Thank you very much, John. It's been great to have you here.
1: Thank you, Anthony.